What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in to Spotlight, a Brass Ring Media podcast. It's Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. How's it going? I am your host, Zach Haydorn. Super pumped to be here and pumped to have you guys here too. This is going to be a weird show. <laughs> I can promise you that. Um, just because the person and the topic and the star and the act that we are uh spotlighting today uh is just is synonymous with with professional wrestling and especially you know in 2024 due to his longevity and this weekend at AEW revolution um it comes to an end and um this person um kind of fades fades away uh, from being a centerpiece of this industry um, for so, 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 so many years. And so with this kind of show that um, totally and 100% is dedicated to focusing on one specific topic, um, there was no other choice to make this week than to spotlight the icon Sting. So we will be talking all Sting today, all Sting all the time. Um, I want to make this show yeah, hopefully one where we kick around some personal memories of Sting. Because like I said, Sting is a performer and a wrestler that crosses so many generations of wrestling fans because he's been doing it for so darn long. And so I think like what makes him such a unique character and a unique star in the wrestling industry is that if you were a fan, really at any point, like to this to this point in time, whether you're, if you're in your, you know, if you're 10 or 12 years old, you and watch AEW, you know, you know, Sting. If you were a WWE fan back in 2014, 2015 only, he was there. If you uh, liked TNA back in the early to, to, to mid 2000s, well, you saw him there. If you were a fan even prior to that, you got him with, with the crow gimmick. And if you were a fan right out of like the beginning part of his career, it's it's surfer sting. So he just um he's just touched so many parts of this industry and has wrestled in front of so many eyes because of that longevity that um it's a this show is like a perfect way for you guys to kick around just different memories of Sting and what do you remember most and what sticks out about him. Um, I think that'd be that'd be really fun. I got a format, of course, that I want to follow here and I want to talk about different parts of his career and get you guys feedback on that. But um, regardless, we are going to spend the next uh, 30 minutes or so thereabouts here talking Sting and his run comes to an end officially um, Sunday at AEW Revolution. So we're going to pause there quickly and set the table for the show. This is Spotlight. It's a Brass Ring Media podcast, and this is a show um, that focuses on one single topic. It can sometimes be one specific star, like today, a specific news story, a specific feud or an angle, um, all sorts of things. But we really kind of hone in and dive deep on one topic specifically. Spotlight is part of a weekly lineup of live shows, including Monday Mania with Tyler Sage, two flagship shows, Tuesday and Thursday with myself and Tyler, and Nocturnal Knockout, a sports talk radio type format for pro wrestling analysis uh, with Robert Vallejos on Thursday night, late night. Um, so lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff to check out here. Um, 
with Brass Ring Media on YouTube. If you're not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button. It's all, all it takes. One, one little click. Click. That's it. Uh, hit that button. Um, and that way you know all the great stuff that we put up um, at all times. And uh, hit the notification button if you want to know when we are live. Um, if you want more content, we have a Substack news cha newsletter channel um, where we have written content about show reports and um, different editorial features um, and all sorts of just cool written work. You can catch that on Brass Ring Media Substack newsletter page. Just search Brass Ring Media Substack and we are the first hit that comes up um, on the old Google machine. We also have Brass Ring Media membership. And if you want to become a Brass Ring Media member, we'd love to have you. Uh, it's a busy time of year and a great time to become a member with lots of great content um, hitting the feed for members all week long. As a member, you get full access to the Substack newsletter, not just the free columns. You get access to the Brass Ring Media Discord community where all the members talk about wrestling and other topics, not just wrestling, sports, news, music, um, TV shows, all sorts of fun conversations. You can get in on that, that action as well. Um, find us on Patreon. All right. Patreon.com backslash brass ring media. It's got all the details on what you get when it became, when you become a member for members this weekend, we'll be doing a post pay-per-view review show for AEW revolution. Um, so you can definitely check that out. That's members only. And, uh, members also get a free, um, weekly member only podcast, uh, from myself and Tyler and others, um, throughout uh, the week as well. So please, please, please give us a try. It's only $4 four bucks um, and it gets you access to everything patreon.com backslash brass ring media super chats are open during the show today if you want to contribute that way i already see some coming coming in uh, appreciate it thanks to everybody who's tuning in live zan is there zach is there tracy is there and others hello 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 um but with that business taken care of let's uh let's get going let's get going i'll start with the super chat from zach here and zach thanks for supporting the show I know you're a huge Sting fan, so I'm glad you are here, <laughs> my friend. Um, and Zach says, you should have opened the show with the man called Sting. Yeah. I, I As I was opening the show, I was like, man, I could I could really go all in here and, like, you know, paint my face. <laughs> like, one half surfer Sting, one half, you know, crow Sting. Um, but, you know, tried to keep it very journalistic in an approach, which is what we do here typically at Brass Ring Media. But man, there's a lot of ways you could go to have some fun with a with a sting show uh, show, show opening, that's for sure. Um, thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. So Sting is retiring. I mean, what what is what's what's happening? Like it it's for some reason like this one um I think this hits harder for for me and for other wrestling fans than even like Ric Flair did, you know, or or like Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker, um, because you know, with Shawn, it was a little this way where I felt like, man, like this is a guy I've watched my whole life. But Shawn Michaels also, um, you know, like it wasn't necessarily like this definitive retirement or it wasn't like building up to something definitive. Yes. He put his career on the line for a WrestleMania 26 match against the undertaker and lost that match for sure. But like it, 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 you didn't know, right? I mean, there's been people leave WWE matches for, for years and years and years and years and they come back. So 
there just was always that element with Sean of like, oh, well, I, he might come back. And um, and so it, that hit a little bit different. Ric Flair, like obviously big for that guy to retire, but I don't think anybody thought when he had his big WrestleMania 24 send-off retirement match that that was going to be it. I mean, it's Ric Flair. He wrestled for another <laughs> – how many years after that um, in, in TNA? And he still had a match like last year. And with Ric Flair, it's very much a uh, please don't get in the ring type thing. Like, I just don't think that there's um, – I <laughs> just don't think there's an excitement there to see Ric Flair in the ring anymore. Um, but Sting, you know, say what you want about Sting. You like him. You don't like him. He can talk. He can't talk, what have you. I mean – he has protected himself in a way that he can still at 65, um, but he could still at 65 have actual wrestling matches, you know? And yeah, are they five-star classics? No. Are they tag team matches? For sure. You know, have the singles matches that he's, that he's had been, you know, a little bit of a mess? Absolutely. He's 65, but He's figured out, especially with this AEW run, but even before that, even before that in, in WWE and even before that in TNA when he got started to get older, um, you know, he figured out a way to leverage the, the character element of Sting and lean into that over, you know, the, the, the actual wrestling and make, you know, his matches more a spectacle than they were, um, you know, true, you know, you know, hold to hold to hold to bump to, to flat back bump, that kind of thing. Like it's part of it, but you know, the focus of his matches was not on like, Hey, Rick or uh, Sting's going to have this, this five-star match tonight. It just, it just wasn't, just wasn't about that in the end. Um, and I think that helped, you know, increase the longevity of what he was able to do um, as a star. And the reason he was able to wrestle across so many different generations and so many of the decades for so many different companies and, and make the impact that he, that he did. Um, he was able to change as he got older and, and not everybody can, not everybody can, not everybody wants to, right? Like, you know, not to, not to kick somebody while they're down, but like Jeff Hardy, you know, Jeff Hardy, is an ex was an exciting wrestler. Um, and he was an innovative wrestler in almost every way, you know, in terms of being a tag team star, but even as a singles guy, like he just had a special charisma, but his style was reckless. His style was hard on the body. And, and even as he got older, he was not able to find another way to wrestle, to make sure that he can last for a longer time. That just wasn't in the cards for him, whether he wanted to or couldn't do it. It frankly just doesn't matter. He wasn't able to accomplish that goal. Sting did. Um, and so it, it's a testament to the worker that he is really that he would, that he was able to, to pivot like that and, uh, and get the different runs that he did so late um, in his career. AW Revolution is on the horizon. And look, I'm getting some pushback on, on Jeff Hardy. I, it's not about his demons. Like, it's, I mean, I know that that's a part of his life for sure. And boy, yeah, he's had such a hard time, like, going to battle with those. No no question. But I mean, I, I like, I don't think that that's, like, a reason why he's chosen to, um, <laughs> while well, he's chosen to have these violent destructive matches like 
Yeah, I, that's his style. That's his style. It's always been his style, and he hasn't been able to. He hasn't been able to, uh, to to pivot from that. That's my point. Of course, you know the demons play a factor in a lot of things, but like I, I just to me, you know, the Jeff Hardy part of this is just he just hasn't been able to 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 change. And and not every wrestler does. Not every wrestler should. You know, I don't know that the Jeff Hardy act even works with with a you know safer style i really don't but again that's circling this back to sting that he was able to like re-innovate himself time and time again to make sure that he was able to be a character that stuck around and was able to be present um for a long 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 time um as we talk about Sting here, we'll go back to Zach. Um, it wasn't on five-star matches with Sting, as Zach says. He's a superhero doling out justice to the bad guys with his black bat. Yeah. I mean, well, that's an era of his career, right? And we're going to get into that um, era in a minute. But, but, I mean, he had other eras where he was doing that same thing, not even with the black bat, right? You know, with the bright colors. Bright colors Sting was doing that. Um, so it wasn't about five-star matches. It really wasn't. But, but when you – when you turn up the volume on those crowd reactions and you look at how audiences reacted to sting throughout his the majority of his career, you know, um, for the people that don't like to, <laughs> for the people that don't like to, uh, let me, how do I put this? Who don't like to like, look at star ratings, for example, like they'll point to sting matches and go, wait a minute. Hey, this from a, rating perspective probably isn't going to get you know four probably isn't going to get four stars but man <laughs> that crowd is reacting and i think that is what you can count on for almost the entirety of uh of sting's career regardless of the character he was playing and regardless of the company that he was in and that's important so yeah sting's retiring this weekend i think that aw has done a really good job um getting as much as they possibly can. And thank you, Zach, for, uh, for the, uh, that comment. Um, they've done a nice job getting all they can out of sting. I mean, it's clear that it's clear that sting, you know, didn't want to, and really, and I, and I think this is a smart move. Didn't want to have any part of having like a long, like a singles run in AEW. I, that clearly was not in the cards for him. I mean, he was never really positioned in a way to have that. You know, he didn't have big singles matches when they were on the table with other top stars in the company, guys that could carry into good matches. You know, like, you know, you didn't get a Sting and Kenny Omega singles match. You didn't get a Sting, John Moxley singles match or Sting and NJF. Like, all of that was on the table, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen because Sting is 65 years old. <laughs> and you, you want to um, – Put yourself in a position at that age to not get hurt and still, you know, give the audience what they're looking for. And so the tag team with Darby Allen um, was smart. I, you know, when I first like watched the pairing, admittedly, you know, and you can go back and read some of my work at, when I was at the torch at the time um, or listen to some audio when I was with the torch at the time that I, I looked at that partnership um, when it started with Darby Allen as a way to get Darby Allen, you know, more over. And it did that, but Darby like never really broke away from strength, Sting Street. How disrespectful on Sting's own podcast. I call him string. Ugh. Shame on you, Zach for shame. Um, um, 
where was I? Darby. Darby, like, it, it seemed to me that their pairing was to try to elevate Darby. And then once Darby was elevated, I was critical of him not going out on his own and kind of leaning in constantly to this tag team with Sting. And, um, you know, I was wrong about that. I definitely was 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 wrong about that in, in terms of it, Darby has always been and felt his biggest when he's next to Sting. And this will be interesting to see what happens with Sting out of the picture. But they AW has done a nice job to tie those two together. They never had any kind of like beef with one another. Like there was never really, uh, any part of the story where it's, oh, hey, you know, we don't know if Sting and Darby are going to get along or there's cracks in their relationship. There's cracks in their in their in their in their foundation. Um, and they never had that. They just were able to kind of go on a run together and 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 be partners and and be friends. And um, looking back, I think that was the right move. I think that really was the right move as much as, you know, I wanted to see Darby on his own and leverage this thing thing. Um, you know, clearly this, this worked for both Darby Allen and Sting and so much so that they've built now a whole pay-per-view around Sting and his retirement match. If you didn't read the Players' Tribune article um, from uh, Darby Allen, I'll put it up on the Brass Ring Media uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter account so you guys can read that. You got to read that article. Um, it's really, it's really well done. And you know, it gives a cool insight into how Darby Allen thinks of Sting and what the run with Sting meant to him and what the match is going to mean to him on Sunday. So I, I definitely, definitely highly recommend you, you you check that out. But but they've done a nice job here, AEW has, with Sting. I mean, they protected him physically, <laughs> which is good for the most part. Uh, he's done some crazy kind of stunt bumpy things, but – which I just don't, I still will argue that he doesn't need to be doing those things, but I digress. Um, more so than that, they've protected him from a booking perspective. Like he still, he still matters a lot in terms of like being a star that can draw. Like he doesn't move the needle like week to week, but nobody in AEW really does. So you know, so I don't know that you can fully judge him on from that way. But when he walks out there, he feels like a, like a star, and they have um, treated him like one um, since the minute he walked in there. And now they're going to really get something out of it because of this pay per view. It's Darby Allen versus the Young Bucks um, Sunday at AEW Revolution tonight. Uh, this is Wednesday when we're recording this. Um, it's his final episode of AEW Dynamite. I know there will be. A contingent of fans, maybe Zach in the chat, uh, who want to see Sting kind of ride off into the sunset in a good way tonight. Um, I'm hoping for some heat. I'm hoping for some heat. And I think Sting understands that you want to get some heat out of it. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think the bottom line is AWs use them really well. The Young Bucks match, I think, is a perfect match for him. The, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jan Jackson, are going to just fly around all the whole match. They can really create a lot of movement for Sting. It's a really nice scenario for him um, to go out his own way in a match that matters with a title on the line, headlining a pay-per-view in the Greensboro Coliseum. I mean, like, you can't draw it up much better than that. You really can't. And uh, that's what's on the table. 
So let's um let's while, like while we take a little bit of a walk through his career here, I want I want some folks and and don't feel the need to necessarily drop a drop super chats for this if you want to like just drop a quick memory uh, of staying or where like what your fondest memory of him is in the chat. We can you know hit some of those as we go through the show. There's some already in there with super chats and I I do appreciate that. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's can who's contributed. Um, I will go to a super chat right now from Tracy from the show, Brassstring Media member. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, thank you. Um, she says the Sting and Darby chemistry is a beautiful last chapter. It's perfect. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It really is. Um, and I knew that Tracy. You know, you can feel that when you watch the the show. Um, but man, that the Players Tribune article that um, that Darby Allen. Um, wrote a piece for and about Sting and about his retirement match really drove it home even further that, you know, it's not just a put on. I mean, it really isn't like, you know, there, you, there, there's been tag teams throughout like the course of pro wrestling history that are teams and they don't get along they don't get along. They're not friends. They're just business associates. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a job. And I mean, everybody has to work with people that maybe they're not close with. Um, but with this, you know, it's not a put on. And I think that's what makes it like a really cool deal that you had two guys in Sting and Darby from totally different eras um, of pro wrestling, you know, join up and and and, and like fill the void um, for the other in a, in a really positive way. Sting for Darby in terms of giving him like some credibility, introducing him to older fans. And then, you know, Darby to Sting, you know, being a you know a new age guy in AEW and and hey you can do this hey you're still staying and I think that's all um that's all very 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 important and uh I think you're right it is a beautiful chemistry and a really great way for him to go out and to go out um and to go out his way uh Zach's coming into Sting being in his I don't give a blank phase <laughs> throughout his AEW run has been glorious who would have thought what's thing going to jump off of will be part of pay-per-view previews? Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, I just, I just don't want to, I just never want to see the guy get hurt. Like, you know, you saw the night of champions match that he had in WWE against Seth Rollins. And that was, ugh, that was not fun to watch. I mean, that was, it was not fun to watch by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and that's what I want to avoid. It's just because I think Sting is just a great performer. And, um, as we talked about earlier in the show, he doesn't have the need to do that kind of thing, um, but he does anyway. Um, I, I do. I think he will jump off something this Sunday. I do. Um, let's hope that he's well, well protected, though. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. So tell me your stink stories and uh, we'll go we'll go from there. But while you do that, um, let's talk about Sting's career and the run that he's had in spotlight and spotlight that for me personally, my first introduction to sting was, you know, the crow gimmick sting, just like I think a lot of people's was. Um, but he had a whole era of his career um, before that, <laughs> that I had to go and catch up on, which, which made for a very fun ride for sure. But the 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 crow sting is always going to be you know a part of pro wrestling folklore because um 
it was a you know supremely over character um, in a supremely popular time for the professional wrestling industry in the Attitude Era in the Monday Night Wars, um, and not just that, but the Sting Crow gimmick and that character was you know the babyface foil for the NWO back when the NWO um, first first started and first really. Um, started to trailblaze Monday Nitro. So, like, he is supremely important to one of the hottest eras and one of the hottest angles that the wrestling industry has ever seen. And Sting is a central figure, um, is a central figure in that. So, you know, (laughs) you got to ask yourself, and this is a Sting episode. It's not a, uh, it's not a NWO episode, but, you know, Sting for a gimmick change like that to work for Sting, I think he really needed the NWO to to play off of. Um, they were the perfect foil for him to kind of rework his character, to kind of be the guy who's you know gets over huge by not saying anything, like doesn't crack the mic once. He's just up in the rafters, looking down on the madness that the NWO is creating. Um, and they, the NWO as a group very much helped push that gimmick along. Now, on the flip side, what is a good bad guy without a good good guy on the other side? The NWO needed to have Sting looming about um, and so that they could slowly build to that big showdown between the NWO and between Sting and between, you know, Hogan and between Sting, which <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, uh, the, my point is that Sting drastically changed his character, you know, at this time to go along with the direction of Nitro and with the NWO at the at the at the front, and it it, it was so effective. And if you don't remember how effective it was, fire up Peacock as you watch this or after you watch this. And just look at the reactions that Sting gets for doing nothing. Just being the guy who's positioned opposite the NWO was enough. And the fact that that audience knew it was Sting was enough. And the cool face paint was enough. Like, he didn't need to say anything. And it was a, uh, it was a really kind of a cool time in the wrestling industry to watch, to watch, you know, to watch that all, um, to watch that all play out. I always wonder <laughs> what would have happened had 1997 Starcade gone better than, than it did. I mean, that was the big blow-off match, Hogan and Sting, and it just fizzled. It just kind of fell flat. And, man, you you know, politics, man. <laughs> that politics ruined everything. <laughs> Not everything, but a lot of things in pro wrestling, especially. And that was the case here. And it's a bummer that you don't have, or that like wrestling fans didn't get like a signature, you know, moment for Sting. Kind of like we're getting, gonna, like, uh, presumably we're going to get at WrestleMania this year, where it's like, you know, going in, Cody's going to win the title and he's going to beat Roman Reigns. And that's okay because that's what everybody wants. And you want to, um, and, and and you want to see it happen. You want to see that come to fruition. You want to pay your money to go and watch it or watch it on Peacock or whatever. Like that 
was what was on the table in 1997 for Sting, and they just didn't quite, they just didn't quite get it there. They just didn't quite get it there, um, thanks to some out, uh, extenuating circumstances. Um, Zach saying here in the chat, Sting signing with WCW and wiping out the NWO with his bat at uncensored is a top five moment in wrestling. Um, I, I mean. Top five, I you know I don't want to argue semantics, but it was a huge moment, no question, <laughs> no question about it. I mean, he I like that was so epic, and the audience reaction was so huge, and it just that is you know I, in a lot of ways like that moment kind of signifies to me the 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 crow sting character in in WCW because he had various iterations right but it all was building and building and building and building to that moment and uncensored and then to uh and to the uh the match at Starcade and after that yeah obviously he was still around but like the story should have finished there definitively um and it didn't um but you know he will forever be synonymous with the NWO angle and with that time period in professional wrestling, which was the start of a, of a boom period, you know, but epic boom period, huge, <laughs> huge boom period that changed everything. Um, and Sting was at the forefront, um, was at the forefront of that. He also, you know, was, um, you know, was, it was, a, was a high paid star in, in WCW. Like he set the bar for a lot of what was to come, um, in terms of contracts that were given out, you know, like, uh, you know, sting money is what they called it. Right. And Kevin Nash talks about it all the time. Scott Hall did it as well. Like they wanted sting money to come over and they had, you know, contracts written up so that the two of them would always, you know, be making top, top sting like money, no matter who came into the company. Um, you know, he really, from a business perspective set, set a tone um, in WCW too as as one of the uh, as one of the, the the top stars. So that was that's a huge era for Sting. And I started off talking about that one because um, and somebody said this in the chat earlier like that character is what Sting spent most of his career playing. And so I think people remember him for that. Um, thanks for the super chat Zach. People remember him for that. Um, obviously. But you know, he was popular long before um, that angle ever happened. And that pivot, that career pivot was drastic when you take into account where he was with Surfer Sting and the flat top and the bright colors. You know, that was how he really got over um, for the first time as a, as a single star. And for me, you know, that early Surfer Sting character, like, you know, we're, you want to talk big pops. Those were some big pops that he would get as a as a as a um, as a babyface, and at that time, you know, Sting was kind of like a I don't know I don't want to say like a Hulk Hogan character, but kind of you know like he was just like a goody babyface, you know, smiling and you know you know just winning matches and squashing guys and just you know it, but that was the sign of the times, right? Like that's what babyfaces were at that time in, in wrestling. So he was just, he was just playing the part. Um, but man, I mean, what matches do you remember for Sting at that point? I mean, Ric Flair, anybody? I mean, he had matches with, with Ric Flair that 
are incredible matches and you've got to go back and, and watch those because that for me is like surfacing to a T and a lot of that is uh, <laughs> most of that I would argue is Ric Flair, you know, in terms of carrying a guy to a good match, but sting was a great dance partner and the two of them were able to make magic together because their characters differed so much um, because they, um, they just had chemistry, you know, and I think, Ric Flair knew how to have a good sting match. Bottom line. I mean, he knew how to have a good sting match and, and, and he did <laughs> regularly. And I think that helped, that helped catapult sting to, um, to, to another, to another level. Um, the other feud on my list that everybody's in the chat is talking about live right now is uh, Sting and Vader. Uh, also a really, really good feud. I mean, Vader and Sting, uh, we'll go to Zach's super chat here. Vader and Sting, the, the trilogy, uh, Great American Bash, Starcade, and Super Brawl, Zach says, is an all-time trilogy. He made Vader look like an absolute killer. Yeah, I mean, Vader and Sting, it was a fun feud. It was a fun feud to watch, and it was a different style of match obviously than um than sting and rick flair but you know sting is the underdog to like to vader worked um and sting was popular and people liked him and when you put him in the line of fire of vader at that time and the absolute killer that he was and he was he, he was a killer even before sting got there but Sting, the way he sold and the way that the audience was so passionate for him, um, it really made that it made those matches like easy to to get behind as a fan because you just you cared about Sting, you cared about his well being. Vader looked like this just just this menacing, crazy guy, um, and and so like that is an all timer for Sting. That that in terms of like good popular matches, but also good business that, that he did. Um, Vader's definitely, um, Vader's definitely up there. So after WCW close, it's an interesting time for Sting because Sting like um, was never known as like a promo guy. I, he was never a great talker. Um, a lot of it. And I think the more he talked sometimes, like the, the less effective it was, because part of the Sting gimmick, even as like, especially as the Crow, but even as uh, Surfer Sting, the aura is what mattered. The energy is what mattered. And as soon as he talked, like Sting's voice, like never really went with like his his gimmick. You know what I mean? Like where you have people talk and you're like, you think they're going to sound one way and they just, and they just don't. Maybe you guys think that about me the whole time where I, I come up on the screen and you're like, I wonder if this guy, this guy's voice doesn't match, match what he looks like. Maybe that's what you say to yourself. But I say that about Sting all the time. Like, it's just, you know, it just, you know, that and his cadence was weird. Um, I don't think he had a, 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 an easy time remembering promo. So he would just kind of do the, the yell thing. Um, yeah, just not a promo guy. And so when you think about WWE, you think about, promos especially in you know the early 2000s like it's a key part of the the wwe um wwe business is <laughs> on in the chat i don't sound chicago enough yeah i gotta work on that chicago accent <laughs> for sure to stick with my uh to stick with my gimmick here um so like the big question 
about Sting's career is always, hey, what would have happened if Sting would have went to WWE earlier when they did the invasion, when they did, you know, when all those guys were coming in, when Goldberg came came in and the NWO came in, like Sting was a holdout. He, he never did. And, you know, he was always concerned about um, how he would be treated in WWE. He was concerned about whether or not they had his best interest at heart or if they wanted to just, you know, kind of bury him as a former WCW star um, who was on the losing end of the Monday Night Wars. All things that I think are valid concerns when Vince McMahon is at the uh, the helm of the company, for sure. Um, but there were big matches that just were left off the table uh, that didn't happen because Sting didn't go to WWE. The Undertaker match is a big one. Um, you could have done Steve Austin against you know, Crow Sting. You could have done Rock against Crow Sting. Uh, you could have done a better version of Triple H and uh, and uh, and Sting. So, you know, I I just you, you, yeah, you just wonder about that. Like, what would have what would have happened? And Sting still had like um, just an insane run, an insane career. Um, but you know in a lot of ways, like he needed to be in WWE at that time, you know, to really uh, flex his muscle. And he would have got paid a lot of money for sure, but he was just really, you know, concerned about how he would be treated. And, and like I said, there's no, you can't argue against that for sure. I mean, WWE had a track record and has a track record of not treating guys. Well, look at Dusty Rhodes, look at, um, Harley Race at the time, even somebody like Chris Jericho, when he came over, had a hard time initially uh, being a WCW guy. So, like, you understand where he would be coming from. Um, but from a legacy perspective, as a fan, like, that was a time to come in, make big waves, and, and like, like really introduce yourself and have tip-top fuse on the biggest biggest stage at that at that time um there's gonna be debate about this this topic for sure um and i understand it both ways but he did opt for you know the smaller company the smaller pond um at you know at that point in his career and so hey you know i, I you know again i don't really fault him for that on a personal level but from a legacy perspective you know ah man like he did leave some really big matches on the table um at that time it would have been really fun to see primarily um, that Undertaker match. Let's get over into some uh, some super chats here in regards to Sting. Matt jumping in saying Crow Sting WCW changed my life. You're not the only one. Uh, really great comment, man. I've got family who you know who don't watch wrestling currently, but anytime they hear about Sting, they're like, oh man, you know, and immediately start reminiscing about Crow Sting in, in WCW. Dire of the age where that would be a big thing. So, um, yeah, Matt, appreciate it. And I think you're you're right. Uh, Matt also says the Sting Vampiro vignette is the hardest. I'm not sure I even know what vignette you're talking about. Um, do tell in the chat, Matt. I'd love to kind of hear which one you mean. And hardest in a good way or hardest in a sad way or a bad way? <laughs> I don't know. And then in regards to uh, Sting in WWE, uh, Zach says, it turns out Sting was right to be worried about how he would be treated in WWE. His WWE run was an absolute embarrassment because of Vince's ego. Um, yeah. I... Oh, man. Yeah, I... I, I <sighs> 
I'm not as hard on it as you, I don't think, but it didn't go well. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for that's for absolute certainty. It did not go. Uh, it did not go well. Um, I don't think it was awful, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't what it. Uh, it wasn't what it could be uh, for certain. Um, and we're going to get into more of this in a minute. And I'll pull this. I'll pull the super chat back up again when we talk about um, uh, uh, staying in WWE. Before he had the WWE run, though, and that ah, okay, Matt chimed in here again and goes, "When Sting returned to TNA for the first time, yeah, uh, that was that was cool. That was a, a very cool vignette. And you know, Sting in TNA is is going to be a weird. Um, I think it's going to be a weird era of his career to look back fondly on." Um, just because, uh, you know, what I have in my notes here is, <laughs> it, I feel like it's just a little bit harsh now, but I'll just say it anyway, because, you know, I made the note. And so why not just put it out to the world? But it just, it's a weird run because not many people saw it, I guess, is my, you know, he had some some good matches. Like uh, someone in the chat earlier said about Sting uh, taking the title from Jarrett, you know, in the early 2000s. Big moment, kind of, um, but not I, you know not a moment that you're gonna put on like a. Or I would not put that moment on like a Sting Legacy DVD. You know, I think I think there's probably twenty of others that stand out more than that, and I and that's kind of how I feel about his entire you know TNA run. Like, there's some good stuff in it for sure, and he reinvented himself time and again. You know, in that in that company, I remember watching a, uh, a Sting match. I think it was Sting and um, Abyss, I think, and they had like a it was like it was some kind of hardcore match, some kind of like themed hardcore match. And I remember Sting like going like 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 doing a thumbtack spot with Abyss, and I was like, and I would say to myself like, he's not gonna actually go through go take a bump on those thumbtacks. I mean, it's Sting. This guy's old. <laughs> and that was, you know. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, but again, like a moment like that, it kind of fades into the background. Um, and I think much of the, the TNA run does. So underrated, maybe. Um, but I think underrated, I, underrated is probably not the right word. I think, oh, Monster's Ball. That's what it was. Thank you, uh, Chad. Thank you, Zach. That's what it was. Monster's Ball. Whew. Man, that would have bothered me all night and all day tomorrow and all day the next day after that. Um, yeah, it's not so much that I think Sting's TNA run was underrated. It's more so that um, I think it just was limited. Like it was limited in possibility. It was limited in terms of the impact he could make. It was limited um, in terms of just the scope. And what it could be because of what TNA was, which was a smaller, smaller wrestling promotion, um, you know. And so he was he was a big fish in a really tiny pond. Um, and I think some people would argue that, like, you know, somebody like Sting at that time, you know, was was holding down guys in TNA that were ready to break out, like Samoa Joe, like AJ Styles, like that cast of characters. I would argue against that. I think Sting is not. Hogan coming in or Nash coming in or, you know, all those other, like, you know, even like Rob Van Dam and, and you know, he sting was like a early TNA guy. So 
but like for oh, he's synonymous with TNA in a lot of ways because of the run that he had there. I just think that had he been somewhere else like WWE at that time, he would have had a more historical impact than he did just kind of doing his thing off to the side for, um, you know, the little engine that could TNA. Um, again, to each their own. Sting made good money. He did well what he with what he was asked to do. Um, but he, you know, decided openly to not go to WWE. And I think that that limited um, the impact, uh, the impact that he had. <laughs> Zach says Sting beating, <laughs> Sting beating Jared for the title was cathartic. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. It, it, I mean, it was. If you were watching TNA at that time, it definitely was for sure. Um, not that many people were. So that's why I mean, like underrated, yes, maybe limited, absolutely limited in scope because nobody saw it or not enough people saw it so from there sting went to wwe survivor series <laughs> oh man survivor series 2014 2014 let me think let me think here yeah 2014 survivor series 2014 um he comes out he makes his debut he if you remember he first made his wwe like official like debut as sting in WWE as part of uh, the video, a video game release um, where he was like a face of that. Um, and then soon after he came out, interfered um, against the authority in the survivor series match at survivor series. And from that point on, they were on the road to stings, you know, one major match, at least at that point um, in WWE, which was going to be at WrestleMania. Um, this match is always going to be polarizing because <laughs> I, because I think they like, I think that they treated sting well, um, like for, the, for, for a good chunk of that time until they really got into building the match with triple H itself. Like he got a big spot in the video game. He got a huge, um, uh, a huge debut. He took out Triple H his first night there. Um, they did the DVD on him. I mean, like they did what they do with returning legends at that time, especially, um, and put out all that content on Sting. There's a DVD uh, of him, like, you know, a part of the DVD that they released is him, you know, going to WWE corporate headquarters and signing the deal and talking about how they're going to, you know, like work with him. And so like they did all that. Um, but then the pettiness like seemed to start. And like, if you wondered what, if you wondered like what would be the reason why Sting wouldn't want to come on board, like watch the build to WrestleMania 31. Like it was a, it was essentially like WWE versus WCW in that, in that match. It wasn't Sting versus Triple H. I mean, that was the match, but like the premise was like Sting, you're this loser from WCW, and that was always just really silly to me. And Sting like seemed to like take it in stride, didn't didn't care. Like he went along with the story. Like clearly, like he just like was okay enough with it. Um, but that was the presentation of Sting in, in WCW, like a top star of a loser company. And it was always befuddling to me, like why you'd want to present this guy as that when 
he's on the cover of video games and he's going to be in a big match at WrestleMania. And he's like, he is all these things. Um, but like, you know, that's what they did. And that's, that's Vince McMahon. And that was in 2015, that match happened. So imagine what it would have been like for him to join the company right after the money that war. Like I, you know, I think to Zach's point here, um, you know, depending on what you want it to be when you, if you're staying, like he was smart not to go because yeah, they did kind of make a mockery of WCW, which, you know, isn't sting directly, but sting is so tied to that company that it was inevitable that like those two things within WWE canon are one and the same. And that's exactly how they, exactly how they, they, they built the, they built that feud. I don't know. I always thought the triple H match itself was, a weird choice to begin with. Like I get it. You know, Triple H at that time is a trust worker. He's a WWE guy. Um, you know, he's somebody that Sting could trust to have a good match with him and not hurt him. Um, but I don't know how you don't do Undertaker versus Sting though. Like when you have that match on the table and you and uh, and you don't do it. Like mm, I don't know. I, I always felt silly to me and that that felt like a um, that felt like a like a Triple H flex to me. Like it was, I I I, I want to have the match with uh with uh with Sting. Like I want that to be me. I want to be Sting's first WrestleMania opponent. And so I don't know. There's no. I don't have confirmation about that. I'm not breaking news. It's just what it felt like to me. Um and uh and yeah and then the match itself bizarre. Like why would it still bothers me for as fun as it was to see like the NWO and DX like going to battle and that, you know, and it got a big pop and it, in the moment I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like when you think about it for two seconds, it's like, why would, why would the NWO help Sting? They were, the, they were like enemies. It's like the Joker and Batman, you know, like just wouldn't have happened. <laughs> but you know, so that was another point part where you're like, oh man, WWE just is not worried about maintaining um, the dignity of of story arcs that took place in WCW, and that was on display at the highest level of the WrestleMania match. Um, and then Triple H wins, and that really sent people into a tizzy. Like, and it, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I look back at that, the result of that match, especially with how it went and especially with what the build was like. And it's like, it's hard not to look at that and go, Vince McMahon's being petty here. He wants the WWE guy to beat the WCW guy. Like that's what this felt like because Sting should have won that match. This is his first WrestleMania match. Come on. Right. And if you want to get anything out of him after that, you know, why not give him the W why not give him the win? And instead, he just stands there and he shakes uh, shakes Hunter's hand, and that's it. Blah blah. <laughs> not good. If uh, not a good, not a good, uh, not a good end. Or not end, but not a good like chapter in the WWE run. And I don't, I don't think Sting looks. I mean, he may look back fondly on it because he's in the Hall of Fame and he's had a WrestleMania match, which he never had. Like he checked off a lot of bucket list items. Um, but that match left a sour taste in in people's mouths for sure, um, as did uh, as did the the aftermath. So, um, 
Yeah, and then, you know, fast forward to later that year and Sting has another match with Seth Rollins and things go terribly wrong and he suffers a very serious neck injury and he is forced to retire forever at that point or so or so we thought. Um, remember that Sting, like his career was just dead at that point. Like WWE weren't, wasn't going to bring him back because, you know, he was hurt and he didn't even know if he could come back. I don't think he really was all that, you know, happy with the the business of his run anyway and how he was treated. And so when AW came about and he's able to go there, like, why not? You know, like, why not? You get to be the, the anti-WWE guy again, right? And that has been kind of Sting's spot for a lot of years, a lot of years. The majority of his career by far, um, he gets to do that again. And, um, and, and so there now he is in AEW doing his thing. And he's going to retire on, a, on, a, on Sunday night. That's a career. I mean, that is just a fascinating career. It's ups and it's downs. It's good business. It's bad business. It's good matches. It's bad matches. It's reinventing yourself constantly. Um, but really what it's about with Sting is he was a star. Like, he wasn't the best wrestler. Still isn't. He wasn't the best talker. Still isn't. He didn't have the best look. Doesn't. But, man, that energy. That energy always jumps off the screen. Always. Whether it's Surfer Sting or Crow Sting or Joker Sting or whatever, he he is able to connect with the audience because he's able to harness energy the right way and people care about him. And that is the essence of pro wrestling. And that's what makes a star in pro wrestling. Truly, truly, that's what does. And so Sting figured that out. I mean, he figured out that formula. He figured out a way throughout 40 years of his career or whatever it's been um, to nail down that formula. And to and that always works. And that's the interesting thing. It worked in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. That formula sticks. Other wrestlers should look at that and go, okay, if I'm Jeff Hardy, for example, just to circle back our conversation, okay, I can how do I how do I how do I emphasize more this charismatic enigma? Um character so that I don't need to do crazy stunt bumps off of ladders through tables. How, Sting did it. This is how he did it. How can I do it? Like, I think Sting left legacy there of, you know, working smart and, and being smart and looking inward and figuring out what, what do I do best as a professional wrestler? Okay. I do this, this, and this. So I'm going to emphasize this, this, and this, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to do other things. I'm not going to try to have Matt classics constantly. I'm not going to be a deathmatch wrestler. I'm going to do what I do. And I think Sting is like a really good example of leaning into those things. Because when you take out different pieces of his game individually, you know, he's not the best at any of them. But the stuff that he did do well, you turn up the volume on that, and he did. And, you know, the rest is history. He becomes this iconic pro wrestler that's forever connected with 
with his audience. And I think that is his legacy. It's longevity. Um, and it's being on top in multiple promotions. And, um, you know, I think it's also going about business the right way. I mean, even when you're getting underhanded by Triple H and Vince McMahon, like, you know, you're, you're there, you're doing business. And I think Sting, you know, has that for him as well in terms of his uh, his career. We'll wrap up with this last super chat from Zach. And he goes, the moment Sting came out at Winter is Coming, I felt like a 10-year-old again. Yeah. Yeah. He has that ability to pull that reaction out of you because he's got nostalgia on his side. He's got star power on his side. And that's when you feel something. And I think Sting can make you feel something. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Guys, we'll wrap it up there. Fun show. Man, I'm really liking these shows. and You guys are great participants in them. Um, it'll be interesting to watch Sting hang him up this, uh, this Sunday night on AEW Revolution. We'll have you guys covered on that show. Uh, the members will get a free member podcast uh, member show here on YouTube reviewing AEW Revolution. We'll also preview that show tomorrow afternoon right here live on uh, the YouTube channel. The Brassring Media flagship podcast with myself and Tyler Sage, 3 Eastern. Subscribe, hit the notification button so you know when we are live. Um, we'll preview Revolution, including a deep dive into uh, Sting and Darby Allen versus the Young Bucks at, uh, at Revolution. If you want more, become a Brassring Media member. Just head to Patreon and check out what we're all about there. It's $4 to sign up, and you get two free podcasts. You get... Unlimited access to our newsletter, access to Discord, and the community there full of members like you. Um, give us a shot. Uh, we will uh, do all we can to earn your business, and we appreciate that business um, in advance. Um, last but not least, if you want to take this show as a podcast with you, please, uh, please, please, please download um, the show. And you can download these shows, this show, as well as any Brass Ring Media live podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Brass Ring Media, you'll find the feed, and uh, you'll be all set. But highly encouraged to do that if you want to take us in the car, to the gym, grocery store, wherever. Uh, we are there for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who super chatted today. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for participating. And we'll catch you guys next time. See ya.